What is it to be awakened? To be a so-called mage? Simple. It's to understand why exactly an airplane flies. Hmm? What's that? You have no idea what I'm talking about? Let me ask you then. Why does an airplane fly? Is it because of their turbine engines, their aerodynamic design? Perhaps the competency of the pilot, co-pilot, support staff, or engineers? I'm sure the usual answer is some mixture of all three, you plane-hating psychopath. And in some places, that might even be true. But it's not here. You see, in Mage the Ascension, planes fly for the same reasons dirigibles fly. The same reason birds fly. It's simple, really. Planes fly because we figure they ought to. The engines help, of course. The design, the crew, the engineer. But unless you're familiar with the mechanics of aeroscience, you probably couldn't tell me exactly, really, why it is that airplanes fly, can you? You can say science, engineering, physics. But most say them without intimate comprehension. That's because the airplane flies not thanks to the turbine engine or the canny pilot. It flies because there are rules. Rituals we follow for consistent results. The laws of physics, to us, are perfectly acceptable natural forces. We follow rights to harness their power, to bend them to our will and make our dreams manifest. That is science, that is technology, Pharmacology, psychology, aeroscience, in another word, magic. To be a mage is not necessarily to know these things. Rather, it's to know a different truth entirely, to have a different answer as to why airplanes fly. And through application of principles either mundane or extraordinary, make the impossible possible. A wizard conjures a flying broomstick from raw quintessential patterns. They speak a phrase of commands in Enochian, and so their broomstick flies. Mad scientists harness impossible materials, disproven theories through which unfathomable wonders might be accomplished. They laugh, so simple. Merely charge the titanium chassis with their ether-powered photonic ray and watch as their wondercraft flies weightlessly. A priest prays, a monk meditates, and through their truths, uninhibited by the restriction of consensual reality, the means to fulfill any dream is realized. Though, not without a cost. Why does an airplane fly? Every mage has a different answer. Let the game begin. Sybil. You find yourself walking down familiar, curdled streets. Asphalt 
drapes forward in an endless drudgery, midnight skies tinted with strange colors and buildings that seem half alive surround you. This endless stretch of urban decay feels almost as if it breathes under your footsteps. And where in this enormous city would Sybil imagine herself to be? Sybil would probably imagine herself on a park bench overlooking the urban sprawl a bench made of twisted bone and twined intestine that bows comfortably underneath her weight, overlooking the city as it lives and breathes in front of her. And so it is in this park where sinew lines the trees and porous vapors begin echoing out from organic sewer grates, this place where flesh is steel and steel is flesh. Is it lonely here? Most of the time. There are residents, allegedly, lights and windows, but not often that anybody comes out to talk. Indeed. And so it is that you're here again. On your solitary bench, in your solitary park, in your solitary city of living flesh. You sit and you ponder the skylights. You sit and ponder the organs masquerading as buildings. And you sit alone. Until very suddenly, yet so achingly, gradually, the shadows begin to coalesce over a vibrant lake of bile. Something is coming through the mists. I'm gonna uh, look around, kind of look over each shoulder as if checking to see if it's uh, going for someone else. And uh, I'm just going to keep an eye on whatever's emerging from the mist. The shadows mount across this lake. They coalesce into a form almost reminiscent of a person. This draped over black cloaked figure. It appears almost to be wearing a jacket, but it isn't because it isn't anything black and one white eye peers through the rising mists. A suggestion of a hand beckons you closer. Gonna uh, look around, point to myself and go, me? Well, there's no one else around in this empty park, so you're left to assume yes. Oh, shit. Alright. Gonna push myself up from the bench and walk a little closer to this thing. Kind of hands in my pockets, the posture kind of stooped and a little slumped. You make your way through the turgid red lawn and the breathing flesh and ground. You step by step, approach 
approach the lake, and as you do, the shadows become more and more pronounced, the figure more and more bold, until, at last, you reach the lip of the Lake of Bile. But as you step one last time, the ground gives way underneath you. You feel your balance begin to fade as if you're stepping on pure gelatinous goop. I'm gonna try to uh, quickly pull myself out of it, try and find something solid. It's not quicksand, but I'm sure it's something visceral. (laughs) You struggle against the mounting syrupy, disgusting gore that mounts at your feet. You you reach out for anything you can. A plant made of lungs or perhaps a, uh, a floral banquet of intestines from some wandering willow tree. You seek anything and all you find is the lip of the lake. And you're able to pull yourself over it. Look over the lip as Forces begin dragging you down, and that shadowy figure stares right at you. It doesn't say a thing. And as you look down at that pool of bile, you see shapes in the murk. You see reflections in the dark, you see in its waves something coming, something fierce, something dark, something all-encompassing. But before you can fully realize what it is, a hacky sack hits you in the face and you wake up. Ah! Uh, <coughs> okay, alright. Who's... I'm gonna grab at the hacky sack. Waking up, on a normal couch not made of flesh, in a brick-clad room that is certainly not alive and certainly not breathing, a masked face with no shirt on, but quite a presumptive cape nearby the billiards table, looks at you bashfully. Ah, Pablo is sorry that uh, this came to you. Uh, Pablo did not mean for the uh, hacky sack to reach you in your slumber. Uh, Pablo was simply uh, trying to multitask. Uh, you know what? No worries, Pablo. Is it another tits out kind of day? I kind of push myself up on the couch, swing into a sitting position. Every day is a tits out sort of day in my line of work. For none can dare attempt to ignore the handsome visage of Pablo the Mysterious. (laughs) Is it mysterious if you're showing off that much skin? Doesn't that eliminate some of the mystery? I mean, it's not a mystery how big your boobies are. Uh, Anyway, what what, what, what was the multitask? You see, he gestures at the billiards table. I was attempting to play hacky sack with my legs while I was also attempting to score a perfect game of billiards and also finish the slam poem that Chaos Blackwell asked me to finish for the uh, big uh, show uh, later on this week at the cafe. I'm going to look at the billiards table. How, how, how's it 
How does it look like his game is going? Oh, it fucking looks terrible. It looks like he's made almost no progress at all. The balls are all just around in awkward places. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he's really pocketed anything. The notepad by him is just kind of scrawled and torn up a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's uh, fully uh, realized either. And the hacky sack, uh, of course, it previously was in your face. I'm going to slowly, slowly nod at him. Looks like it sure is going. Edwin, you can't expect perfection to arrive without a bit of a uh, failure in its wake. Those are some words of wisdom. Uh, while I'm still incredibly fucking groggy. Um, so wh- wh- when's your deadline on this poem? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, sometime at the end of the week. Uh, Blackwell has all the details. It's at some cafe. But uh, your big show is far more interesting. Uh, This could really put the dying dream on the map. Fuck, that's the idea. Well, hopefully they'll like it more than last time, after the critics called it... Oh, God, what was it? Uh visceral and gross and smelling so terrible as to not be able to enjoy any of the work. You know, maybe that's the last time I use real pig guts, but you, you can't rush perfection. You, you, can't, you can't judge perfection. The people are not ready for the viscerality that you bring to them. They are not ready for the true experience of uh, smell-o-vision in accord with their television, see? Right? Exactly. Thank you, Pablo. Somebody fucking gets it. Of course I understand you, Sybil! Also, pig guts are too expensive to do that Uh, again. Ah, yes, yes. I don't think that I could get my father to lend you anymore. But uh, I can tell you this. I can tell you that tonight I would love to be nowhere else but your show. And I'm very sorry that I cannot make it. Hey, you're not coming, though? I... I want to, but uh, you see, there's a uh, change in the booking, and uh, they're going to let me go up against the Crimson Crippler tonight. (laughs) So, uh, uh, you see, it's very important for my career that I don't uh, no-show and uh, uh, bombard my uh, chances of becoming champion. Ah, fair enough. We all gotta make our dough. So is the Crimson Crippler gonna, you know, does he actually crimson cripple people? No, of course not. It's just a stage thing. But, uh, you know, it's sure to be quite a show. He does have a bit of a reputation for dropping people on their heads, but uh, you must work with these characters when you're making your bones. Fair enough. Well, drink your milk, strengthen your noggin. I clonk him on the head a couple of times. I will! Yes, I will. And soon, Pablo the Mysterious will become the most renowned luchador in all of Norfolk! Uh, Until then, though, I will have to uh, settle on losing to the Crimson Crippler and uh, wishing you good luck from afar. As you rise to your feet, you finish your conversation with Pablo, mostly here in the dim corners of the mouse pad the chill brick-and-mortar internet cafe where your studio, Dying Dream Studio, calls their home base. Along the walls are murals and 
framed pieces of poems, uh, photographs of Pablo the Mysterious being put into uh, uh, various uh, chokeholds and uh, submission holds and, you know, all the many, many times he's lost on the local scene. You happen upon this, your place of creative power. And do you have any intentions on doing anything before you head out to the big exhibition tonight? Before the exhibition, uh, I'm gonna double check the the game that I made, just making sure that it's running, we haven't gotten any crashes, that everything is ready to be projected on the uh, exhibit. Sure, why don't you go ahead and describe your computer and your game? Sure, uh, Sybil's computer is um, kind of a big clunky thing, probably at least a few years out of date by uh, current year, it's 04, right? Uh, 06. 06, 06. Uh, yeah, so it is a computer, probably from 04, um, and it is loaded up with uh, mostly just rudimentary game dev software and folders and folders of gigabytes worth of weird images unearthed from the internet uh, of dubiously legal status, but all very artistically inspiring. Uh, her game, called To Dream of a Face You've Never Seen, is a pretty simple thing. Um, on her computer, it loads up as just this first-person uh, walking simulator, as the term I don't think has been coined by 06. Uh, this low-poly, hazy city dreamscape where indistinct figures move through the fog walking toward a player who meanders through an endless winding street. Very nice. Uh, Pablo looks over your shoulder. Well, boss, I can tell you for sure. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to live there. You wouldn't? Why not? Because there's nothing to do. It's just a long winding street with strange, mysterious figures. Yeah, I mean, it's more meant to be like a, like a dream experience rather than somewhere you're supposed to uh, settle down. Exactly my point. It's uh, why uh, it's so impressive, boss. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Thank you. It's supposed to be a little unsettling, but... Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Do you think they'll like it? Oh, you cannot concern yourself with if they like it or they don't like it. You make your heart sing, and then, when you've sung your song, if they boo, get to them! If they cheer, hurrah! There, you got it now. We're yelling, we're yelling. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just... I mean, I like it. It looks good. It... It's, I, I've had dreams like this a hundred times before, but, you know, I really gotta make rent this month. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think exactly the uh, meaning that you're going for is? Well, it's about the experience. The actual setup is already built in the exhibition space, so it's, it's, it's more of a, a component of an experiential piece, you see. Uh, the subject or participant sits down in a room that should be, you know, dark, quiet, insulated. Uh, thanks again for getting me all those uh, fucking two by fours, by the way. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, and then 
they're sealed inside. They put on the headphones for the immersive soundscape I made for the game, and then they move forward. It's projected in front of them. It consumes the whole room, a little Rothko-esque. Uh, and then you move forward into it, and it's it creates a dreamlike experience. The faces are just indistinct enough to where the viewer could project whoever they thought of onto them. And the idea is they play and they walk and they go forward until they see a face that they believe that they recognize. And they take that name and they write it down on the wall and hopefully, if they don't tear it down beforehand, at the end of the exhibition, the whole wall will be filled up with names of strangers. And, you know, that's the idea. Well, that sounds fantastic. I know that I would be writing down many names on your wall. Yes, the moodiness. It seems like your specialty of encapsulating people's minds into a, a strange experience. Why, I can't imagine that they'll look past it, especially with the audience participation element. Yeah, yeah, that is a key part of uh, concepts, conceptualism like this one. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I must make one final advisement on you. Yeah. My advice is, uh, when you leave today, uh, be sure not to make sure any of your scary photographs are uh, uh, poking out because they have a children's birthday party in the front part of the mouse bed. Oh, oh shit, yeah, I'll, I'll cover them up. We don't want any more complaints like last time. Sorry oh, about the no. trauma at the... Princess birthday tea party. I never realized that a child that sweet could spew so much vomit. Ugh, don't remind me. Well, um, anyway, eh. I don't want to make you late, but just understand that as soon as you're done, uh, I, you can give me a call and I'll come help you break down whatever it is you need, uh, provided I am not hideously injured by the Crimson Creepler. Yeah, don't get Crimson Crippled. Yeah, uh, I... What time's your fight? Is it the the, the last one, the title? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I've uh, a while yet before I get the title shot. Uh, this is more a, a, a exhibition match. Uh, uh, specifically a squash uh, match, but, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, you must suffer these indignities. At Worst. first. It reminds me of my slam poem. Would you want to hear it before you head out? You know what, Pablo? I would want nothing more than to hear your slam poem. Lay it on me. Okay. Ahem. Oh, you must prepare yourself. Oh. I'm girding my loins. All right. I'm the champion, but not yet. The technical legend, uh, but not yet. I'm the master of chair shots, tape spots. I cut a promo like no other, and there on my waist hangs every title. These things are coming. They're coming. They're coming. I just have to reach, so I reach. Empty. I'm not the champion yet. But I am the champion. Just not yet. Hey, that was pretty good. I'm good. You really think so? Hell yeah, that's gonna be a fucking hit at the next slam poetry thing. I know, I can't wait. Dozens of people will be there. 
Dozens? Wow, that's a dozen more than last time. I know. Ever since we started going to these slam poetry meetings, I admit I, I never had much faith in them, but uh, uh, once again we have proven our ingenuity. Why, we've been able to quantify our attendance rates by over 200%. That uh, matters for something in my book. Word. All right, well, you probably should go prepare for your match, and uh, if I wrap up early, maybe I can catch the tail end of it. Oh, that sounds magnificent. I hope to see you in the crowd. Uh, I will be sure to uh, make sure you get a sight of my good side before they pummel me into a flaming table. Ah, Pablo, every side's your good side. He gives you a hug, and uh, with his strong, chiseled form. Oh, my bones! And uh, at once, you are left to... Begin preparation for the exhibition tonight. <sighs> all right. I'm going to uh, get all of my tech stuff packed up, um, sequestered away, give one last run of the game, make sure it's running without any bugs or anything like that. Then I'm going to get in my beat-up old Corolla, and I'm going to be on my way. All right. As you head off with all these things, you pass by a sea of children who appear to be glued to these glowing RGB lights at the end of their PCs. They seem to be playing some game whereupon a, a human being just keeps smacking an orc over and over again with a wooden mallet. Ugh, derivative. These images pass you by as you head on to your old dusty Corolla, and I must ask something that I had forgotten to ask earlier. Sybil, would you mind describing yourself? Oh, of course. Sybil is a short individual. She is uh, 5'2". She is decked out in these layers and layers and layers of black clothing that kind of hang off of her little spindly body. Her face is half obscured by a kind of green-black mask with a little jagged, frowny face on it. She is kind of obscured by a heavy scarf on her shoulders, despite the fact that it's probably out of season. Her hair is this mop of messy, scraggly, unkempt black that kind of comes down just past her ears. She's got a little bit of makeup on, though clearly she had put it on before the nap and hadn't bothered to fix it afterward, as it's sort of just a black smear on her eyelids and just underneath. Yeah, just overall this reedy little goth creature. All right. And it is such a wretched form, such a reedy beast that drives through the dark Norfolk air, kissed with sea salt and occasionally bedazzled by the humble lights of the not-so-towering buildings of downtown. You find your place in a parking garage, located next to the venue of choice, the uh, Red River Art Gallery, waiting for you and the exhibition hall for you to finish setting up is a portly man with circular glasses that you have come to know as Mr. Belge. Mr. Belge? Mr. Belge. Let's go. (laughs) 
Let's go, Mr. Bell. <laughs> I, I, I love... I love your NPC names. Boy, Sorry, thank continue. you. <laughs> Mr. Belge looks at you. Why, uh, yes, Mrs. Uh, Sybil. Uh, what is your last name again? Uh, forgive me. I just, I remember, I recognize you based on your mask for the most part. Uh, Innswood, Sybil Innswood. Innswood? Ah, are you by any chance related to the uh, uh, Portland Innswoods? Um, not that I'm aware of. Oh. Well, that's fine, too. Now, <clears throat> we've got your big uh, two-by-four settlement all set up. All you need to do is just do the fancy-dancy computer things, and, uh, well, it's sure to be a smashing show, don't you think? Uh, yeah, that's the idea. All right, excellent. I'll leave you to your various devices, and uh, do feel so inclined to tour the other artists' work while your uh, floppy disks uncompile, or whatever it is your technical types are do. <laughs> yep, I will go activate my floppy disks, uh, flop them around a bit, and then uh, we'll get on our way. Thanks, man. Is that why they call them floppy disks? Uh, y- yeah. Magnificent. <laughs> and you are given full leave to uh, set up your machine. Um, why don't you go ahead and make me a charisma computer check? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Um, a charisma computer? That's correct. All right. That's 8d10, baby. Or wait, are we in the roll 20? Uh, I'm in the roll 20. It'd be nice. Fuck! <laughs> It'd be nice if you're in the roll 20. All right. 8d10. All right. Uh, charisma computer. A modest roll. Uh, ooh, that's a lot of fives, but we've got a 10. Uh, and if you would count my specialty in programming, then... Uh... Uh, you're not programming. You're just right, setting so. up. That would be three successes. Three successes. You've gotten your machine set up more or less how it is in your mind's eye. The uh, ceiling maybe is a little bit too cramped, but by and large, everything's set up how you want it to. There is uh, pencils and there is uh, the controllers set up. The benches are wonderful. The projection looks just fine. (sighs) All right. How much time do I have to, to look around? You actually have a bit more time. You're a little bit ahead of schedule. You've got about 20 minutes before uh, uh, you're given the signal to head to your station and uh, make ready for the guests. All right. I'm going to uh, just run one quick test, make sure everything's good, and then I'm going to go meander around the place, see see what I'm dealing with. Okay. The first uh, piece you come across is rather interesting. You see an enormous still-life portrait of a can of Salsa Verde. Oh. Ah, are you admiring my portrait? Says a reedy gentleman. The comb-over. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty damn good Salsa Verde. Makes me hungry. Oh, yes. It will simulate your hunger quite efficiently. This is my piece. I call it mm, Salsa Verde. Right on the nose, huh? Well, 
you must understand that uh, the people of this city, they don't exactly understand subtlety. You sort of need to ping it on the nose for them to pay attention. Uh, you know what? I, I feel you there. Well, the, the brushwork's pretty damn good. There's a lot to be proud of. Why, thank you. Uh, by the way, I don't think I introduced myself. My name is Beppis. Beppis? Uh, wow. Uh, cool. I'm Sybil. My exhibition's just, uh, down the way. Oh, Sybil, I see. Is it that big black igloo over yond? Yeah, the igloo. Hmm, interesting. You know, I look at that and I think, wow. You know? Is that it? But I've only seen it from the outside. Uh, that is true. That is true. You haven't seen the inside yet. Well, the inside is something to behold. Definitely uh, swing by later if you've got the time. Oh, indeed. I, 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 I must. <laughs> he adjusts a bow tie. You see, my masterpiece, Salsa Verde here, though, I think will be the cream of the crop. Oh. Well, uh... Well, you, uh, we'll see about that. Oh, yes. We will see, Sybil. We will see. We will see. Right. We will see. We, we will. We well, will. That, it looks great. Well, thank you. We will see. Yeah. Thanks, Beppus. <laughs> gonna move on. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> You're... <laughs> there has not been a single NPC name that is missed. Oh boy, thank this. you. I thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh boy. The next piece that you see is a large white room with three trash cans and three mops, all with warm, soapy water, as well as a few wet floor signs. Are the floors actually wet? No. Oh, okay, good. I'm not about to eat shit. You walk forward, and a muscular but scraggly mid-forties woman looks over at you in a denim vest. Hey, 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 you have to pay to uh, use this. I have to pay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the gates aren't even open. Are you allowed to be in here? Oh, I, I, I'm an exhibitor. Oh, you're an exhibitor. Well, that's fine. I don't really give a shit then. She spits on the ground. Oh, uh, is this your piece? Yeah, it's my piece. I call it fulfillment. Oh. Someone's going to nod. I see. I, I know a conceptualist when I see one. Where'd you get the inspiration? Well, you see, uh, I got the inspiration because I, uh, you know, I happen to own this venue. And uh, I remember last time there was a big art exhibit here. Uh, you know, people didn't really clean up after themselves. They didn't really, uh, you know, the floors weren't really well mopped. And, uh, you know, there's trash everywhere. So I figured, why don't I make one of these art pieces? And, uh, you know, like, you could call upon the people. You are, are tasked with the uh, uh, chance to uh, participate in the upkeep of this establishment. It's very fulfilling. Word. Uh, so this is definitely not a way to, to get some labor out of the public. I gotta go. 
And you see as she just turns around and just walks off. Ah. Uh, well, that is the greatest motivating force behind every great artist of the 21st century. Capitalism. Oh, Miss Sybil, Miss Sybil! Uh, 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 hi, hey, what's up? The gates are due to open in five minutes! Oh, well, goodness gracious me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get set up and start directing people my way. Thank you for the heads up. Yes, you're very, 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 very welcome. Yeah, I'm going to give him a thumbs up, and I'm going to putter my way back to my exhibit. Smiles at you with yellowed teeth, and you make your way back to your exhibit. There's a atmosphere of stillness over the art gallery just before the doors open. It's something that speaks to you, perhaps. Just this quiet moment amidst art, some of varying quality, but art not yet consumed. And as you get ready, you notice a window nearby the outside of your igloo. Someone's staring in. I'm gonna kind of turn over my shoulder and give him a look. Uh, try and get a beat on who this person is. See if I can't come get them to come in and pay to see my exhibit. It's rather dark. It's hard to see. You might have to get a little closer. I do. Meander up to the window. Window. Get a bit closer. And closer. And as you get close enough, you're able to actually make out a face in the window, in the darkness of this person's silhouette. The face is yours. Gonna tilt my head to one side, tilt it back, kind of see if it follows. And I'm not just an idiot who mistook a, uh, a mirror for a window. No. No, it doesn't follow. It just stares at you. <laughs> it slams on the window and disappears. Fucking hell. I'm gonna pinch my arm, make sure I'm not back in that dream again. No, certainly not. And as further confirmation, you hear that. Welcome, one and all, to this, the Red River Art Exhibition. Do enjoy your time, and keep in mind a complimentary cheese bar is to the left. Thank you. And people begin to make their way in. Damn it, how am I supposed to compete with the cheese bar? <laughs> it's a doomed gesture, but you have to try. It's like... You're on the band of the sinking Titanic. Now, I would like you to make me a charisma art roll at difficulty eight to Ooh, see who it is that you're able to draw in. Okie dokie, that's another pretty hefty dice pool. Eh. But not a very hefty roll. That's only one success. How long were you working on this project? 
A while. Sybil spent a lot of dev time on this game, making sure the ambiance was just right. She's not much of a handyman, but she got as much help as she could putting together this little black room meant to immerse you in the world of the game. And it's here in this, the triumph of your efforts, that you've sat. You've sat here looking at the faded black and white, at the dark colors and the space for scrawled names and misremembered faces. You've sat here, waiting. And as you've waited, very few people have come. A gentleman quite obnoxiously munching on a hot dog enters in. Yeah, so is this some kind of source uh, gaming sort of thing? Uh, no, not really. It's more of an experience. Okay, well, I'm kind of like into Counter-Strike, you know, like eSports, you know. Is it video games really art, though? I, you know, maybe if you go into the, go inside, you can tell for yourself. Yeah, okay, sure. game. Can I bring my hot dog? Yeah. Oh, wait. Difficulty eight yeah. on that roll, you said? Oh, yes. That's no successes, then. <laughs> oh, no successes. Yeah, yeah. So do I enter here? Oh, shit. Look at that. He turns his head, and he sees another exhibit. That's Salsa Verde, bro. And walks over to it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Salsa Verde. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. All right. Get it together, Innswood. Not done yet. How doth it come, Sibyl? A raised Victorian collar, a dark trench coat, an ambiguously gendered face and profile. Your friend and fellow member of Dying Dream Studio, Chaos Blackwell, approaches. Yo, Blackwell. It's going, uh... Well, I'm here. Mm, verily, this place seems dark and damp and filled with your usual melancholy. Are you telling me they haven't quite awakened to your genius? Oh, thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm going to check the inside. Have any names been written down? Anybody, anything to show somebody's actually interacted with the exhibit? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's one. For uh, Seymour Butts. God damn it. Well, looks like it's working as intended. Well, I shan't advise thee to give up hope. The yonder masses are simply uh, too philistine to appreciate thout brilliance. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody's got faith. <sighs> Maybe I will get time Pretty to catch decent. Pablo's... Uh, Match. Prithee thee, Sibyl. Thou must have labored quite intensely upon this theater. Allow me custodianship of its services for a time, and enjoy yonder cheese bar and perhaps other exhibits. You know what? Maybe some cheese from the cheese bar is exactly what I need to perk me up. Thanks, bud. Verily, verily. You shall know that I, Chaos Blackwell, am ever at your service. <laughs> and uh, they bow before entering into your evil igloo. Oh, chaos. Well, hopefully they uh, 
have more luck than I do. And I'm going to go to the cheese bar and melancholily munch on some fucking monster. They got some monster. They got some brie. By God, they got it all here for you. And also the adoring public who are all at once gathered at the exhibit closest to the cheese bar. It's this gnarled twine sculpture of a dog, perhaps a schnauzer, made out of this dreadful, warped yarn. Ooh, that seems up my alley. I'm gonna putter over to it. Ah, welcome, says the sculptor, one Harpo Kilgrave. I see you've come to be enamored by Fuzz. Is that his name? Yes, that is his name. You see, this sculpture was made out of twine in honor of my most beloved childhood companion, whose name was also Fuzz. Oh. He's modeled after your old dog? Yes. You see, he choked on twine that he wasn't supposed to eat. Oh. I put a hand on his shoulder, pat him gently. Thank you, but you must know that we have immortalized him, for this twine sculpture is made out of the same twine he choked on. Sybil looks actually genuinely delighted by this. (laughs) Um, Like her eyes light up a little bit. Really? Really? It is the ultimate statement of the power of life over death, or perhaps death over life. Cool. How'd you get it out? Well, the autopsy was rather thorough. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Uh, thanks for sharing it with us. Well, you're quite welcome, and I'm pleased that you have enjoyed this testament of my little friend. I'm sure Fuzz is uh, chasing dog-safe twine in heaven. Yes, I imagine so. Though he was never baptized, that may be an issue. Oh, no, not dog purgatory. Well, well I'm, I'm sure he'll atone for his sins and get to doggy heaven within, like, 2.5 business years. Most likely, yes. With that, you are free to further peruse the halls of this art exhibition. Alrighty, I'm going to uh, meander past. I'm going to catch one last sidelong look, look at Salsa Verde. A little bit of burning hatred beginning to form in my chest. Oh, as you do, it's funny that you do. You see Beppis sitting in front of Salsa Verde as he opines to a crowd of people who are clapping and cheering at Salsa Verde. He has supplied tiny little cups with Salsa Verde in them. And you are able to see... And my friends, I can happily tell you all that Salsa Verde has been sold for $500,000. It's like a knife to the chest. (laughs) (laughs) Sybil is going to take a breath. 
We're good. We're good. Good for him, you know, artists supporting artists. I'm going to leave the room very quickly. <laughs> you uh, leave the room and perhaps uh, catch uh, your breath. And uh, you return once again to the Black Igloo, where uh, Chaos Blackwell is uh, seated in front of. I understand it not, Sybil. Nothing? Not a single soul. One of them walked past and called me a fruit. That's all. Oh. Well, you're my favorite fruit. Which fruit am I? I would say you're like a dragon fruit. Forsooth, a mighty dragon fruit. Verily, my friend, you have done me great justice. And you, they point out their finger, are the delightful tangerine of my heart. Aw, buddy. Well... (sighs) Thanks, anyway. I admit, Sybil, this entire affair has dreadfully depressed me. If you don't mind, I'm going to go and peruse the cheese bar myself for some uh, libations and something to increase my spirits. Oh, yeah. The cheese is actually pretty good. That's a silver lining. There must always be a silver lining. There must always be. And you see Chaos Blackwell... moves their obnoxious goth cloak over their head and heads off to the cheese bar. Leaving you alone by your installment. (sighs) Shit, I gotta try something. Where are the most people gathered in this exhibit? I'm gonna look around and try to see if I can. Salsa Verde. (laughs) Salsa Verde. Ah, very interesting. (sighs) They can only look at Salsa Verde for so long. You'd think that. (laughs) People are, you see a few people are, it's like fairly distant. You can see a couple people are kind of crying, looking at it. Oh my god. Is that really? Is that so fair day? Fuck. Okay, okay. I'm going to try to catch some stragglers, people who are kind of moving between exhibits. You catch the hand of one gentleman, a tall gentleman. Uh, excuse me, sir. Are you interested in, uh taking a look at an experiential exhibit not far off. Ah, yes, I am in the market for just such a thing. Good evening. Good evening. This tall man has quite the well-sculpted face. He's beautiful to behold. He has long, blonde hair. Ain't no and way. appears to be wearing some kind of black poncho. Ain't no fucking with, way. <laughs> with a gold lapel. Is this, I shall take it, your exhibit? Ah, uh, yes indeed. To dream of a face you've never seen, is the title. Most delightful. You must allow me to inspect it, yes? Oh, yes, please do. This tall man approaches the lip of the igloo, entering in. Ah, it is one of the, uh, how do you say, v- video games. Yeah, but you don't need to be experienced in video games or anything to play. All you need is this joystick, and you can move through the streets. That's all you gotta do, just walk. Most excellent, yes. Takes the joystick in a gloved hand and begins walking the streets. And why don't you describe the sights he sees? 
the totality of the experience is this closed off black room. The subject is allowed to sit down into uh, the best seating that Sybil could afford, which was a black bean bag. <laughs> and um, they are outfitted with a pair of headphones to kind of immerse them in the soundscape of the city. The noise and light of the outside is completely blocked out. The wall in front of them has the game projected onto it, kind of about life-sized, it would look like, uh, as if you yourself are looking through your own eyes at this cityscape. It is this kind of dour, gray, nearly colorless, image of this hazy, foggy city. All of it is low poly. The graphics are pixelated and a bit chunky at the edges, but it all comes together in this kind of, despite the kind of monochromatic color palette, there's this amount of detail that is surprising for a low poly experience. And as the player moves through this fog and this mist hanging heavy over this rainy city, silhouettes pass by just at their periphery. No matter where they turn the camera, everything seems to remain just at the edges of their vision. Each individual inside bears some small distinguishing characteristic. There is the swish of long hair on some models. There is the sound of heavy booted footsteps. There's a cut of a well-defined jaw occasionally. You can sometimes hear the sound of breath in your ear. Occasionally you will see little bits of Sybil's signature horror, the glint of a glowing white eye, a figure with too many limbs and too many teeth just at the edges of the periphery. They're figures just defined enough to suggest a shape and enough of a defining characteristic that the participant may project their own uh, life experiences and the people that they know onto these figures. And as soon as they see somebody that they believe that they recognize, that they could have sworn looks exactly like someone they know, they're encouraged to write the name down. You watch as this mysterious gentleman traverses through your city. He does so for quite a long while. I must admit, I've never seen such a display. It's rare for me to behold something of this particular aesthetic. I noticed that these delightful half-men, they appear to be at once familiar and unfamiliar. How did you achieve such a delightful effect, if I may ask? Um, well, it's a number of different factors. Um, <clears throat> factoring and kind of how the human brain works, we're encouraged to see faces and project familiarity onto things that remind us of things that we know, faces being the most obvious. And so putting these things at the edge of your periphery, it kind of lets your mind wander and run wild. And keeping things just hazy enough lets you uh, 
project your experiences onto otherwise blank canvases. I wonder, though, is this ability to find patterns even when none should exist, is this a advantage of the human condition? Or perhaps a means for some dark stranger to impose themselves? Um... I mean, I'd say a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. My work explores that exact idea. And so let us explore. You find these strange creatures, no face or perhaps too many faces. You see them as you have so expertly sculpted them. And I must ask, what conclusion do you believe we should draw? One of caution? Or warm embrace. <laughs> Honestly, that's personal. Every mind is different. Some people might find it to be calming, deeply therapeutic. Some people might find it to be uncanny, unsettling. I think good art toes that line. It lets you walk away with your own experiences, your own thoughts. I'm not projecting a message or a moral onto the experience. I'm just opening up the mind and letting it do its thing. A true artist. You are like the, how do you say, the, uh, uh, the Beethoven, the, uh, how do you say, the Vincent van Gogh, the, the George Lucas who made Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> I don't know, I think I'm a little more like, um, like an R-mutt, but thank you. Uh, you are most welcome. He takes the headphones off, rises after identifying a I believe I have a name to inscribe onto your mural. Where might I do so? Anywhere you'd like. Fluidly. With this sensual motion... The tall man approaches the wall. He notes that there are very few names written on it before adding his own. Do you speak Italian? Uh, no, I do not. Then you are left to your own devices to identify the words scrawled on your wall. Il Dregor del Tevere. Hmm. Do I, do, do I know if my buddy speaks Italian? Um, Chaos Blackwell might. Pablo speaks Spanish, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna nod. Uh, thank you for participating. Oh yes, but I can't help but notice, fair Sybil, very few others have seen fit. Ah oh, well, you know we're a we're a salsa verde kind of town. Ah yes, the salsa verde. I don't much care for that painting, if I may be honest. Oh, I think you would be a first. <laughs> I, I think that Norfolk has a thing for salsa that is green. It seems so, doesn't it? Tell me, Sybil, do you feel frustrated with your current attainment of artistic recognition? Oh, uh, I mean... I, 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 I'm, I'm getting by. I'm doing just fine. You know, I, I create work for the love of creating work. And, uh, you know, I, uh... A non-answer. 
Uh, I, I mean, I'm happy with what I can make. I'm happy with the things that I've put out. But are you happy uh, with the response, with the audience? Well, I'm happy with at least one. Oh. Why, that's so kind of you to say. Might I make you an offer? Uh, sure. I happen to run the... <laughs> studio of sorts. My own... private... gallery. I'm a sculptor, you see. And oh, doctor. Really? Oh, wow, that's uh, pretty loaded. Yes, well, I had an excellent teacher. And now I seek to apprentice another. I see in your art limitless potential. Your ability to grasp the canny and the uncanny mark you as a prodigy. And your familiarity with this technological medium, why, it, it perplexes me. And that means it would be an excellent asset to my own <laughs> understanding. Um, that is really generous. Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't really put a price tag on it or anything. Uh, sure. You're interested? Yes, uh, of, co of course. Puts a hand on your shoulder. Most excellent. Now I must warn you, the pathway to the masterpiece, to understanding the world through art, through any means of expression, it is painful. Are you prepared to suffer such pain? Uh, don't they always say that uh, you have to suffer for great art? Oh, indeed. And, if I may be so brash, you're more uh, kin to the creatures of the night than anything else. Uh, you prefer dark that's places? That's how I've been described. I kind of gesture at the general fit. Most excellent. Then, my friend, I think you'll be perfect. I welcome you to your new life. Uh, hold on. What exactly is being offered here? What? <laughs> he smiles broadly, and you see two fangs emerge. Everything. What the fuck? And he bursts down hard into your <laughs> neck. It's this surge of feeling. You feel every cell in your body a flutter with power, with sensation, with, with motion. You feel your fingers and toes convulse, and yet you feel a coldness. It's, it's, it's wonderful, but you feel as if something is being lost. You feel feeling begin to leave your fingertips, and all of a sudden you know that despite the ecstatic sensation, something very dangerous is happening to you right now. Uh, uh, hey! 
Hey, hey, get off! Don't struggle. Get off! I will make you something more, something greater, something hey. beyond human. I'm giving you a gift! A gift! And as he continues to drain and drink and drink and drink, you feel more and more being lost. You feel your head grow foggy. You feel yourself falling almost limp in this embrace. And it's then that you spy the projection. That endless, wandering city. And you just, in the midst of your panic, you happen to see a figure. A dark figure. The same one from your dream. Reaching out to you. With the last of your strength, Will you reach out to it? Yeah. I'm gonna hold out a hand, kind of trying to reach toward the figure. It's cold. Your vision is blurry. But even you can tell as this dark figure reaches for your hand. seems to almost part some unseen veil and you feel it cold damp but alive gripping your hand and all at once you're gone from this place you collapse into unconsciousness. And you sleep. When you awaken, you awaken to a dark, breathing city with strange hues in the air, with streets of gore and buildings that breathe. You find yourself at the edge of a pond of bile. And you know you're very much awake. Gonna get to my feet. Look around the now very familiar surroundings. I'm going to look out over the lake of bile, looking for that figure again. Oh, it's there. And it's staring right at you. You can... Feel its breath on the back of your neck, even though it stands ahead. <sighs> I could send you back. You could live forever. I don't know if that's how I want to live forever. What do you desire, my child? I don't know. I want to dream something better. I... I want to live. I want to breathe. I want to... I want to make things. I want to explore the depths of the mind. I... 
want to make rent. You seek a life of statements. A life observed. The shadows would be kinder. I... I don't think I'd be able to see well enough in the shadows. that in its place is a clear lake of crystal water. I take a step in. You step in. And while all rationality should say you should be at that exhibition, you should be in the grip of that mysterious, dreadful man. You are instead in the back rooms of the mouse pad, looking at the billiard game Pablo never finished, looking at your terminal. You feel exhausted. You feel drained. But here and now, there's something different. You know something's watching you from the window. And you couldn't feel more alive. Thank you for watching this episode of the Norfolk Wizard Game. We hope, if nothing else, it's worked up your appetite for Salsa Verde. The character of Sybil Innswood is performed by the ever-watchful Oda Roshi. Three guesses as to who is the storyteller. Actually, no guesses. It was me, Speaker Dave. If you enjoyed this session, follow us on YouTube at Brava Alphabusa, or consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash alphabusa. There you can find sneak peeks at upcoming Ogre Popening projects, such as Hunter the Parenting, Half-Life Zero Viscosity, and of course, the Norfolk Wizard Game. Thank you. God, can you imagine just eating a can of Salsa Verde every day? Can you imagine just, like, being the sort of gormless ghoul to just eat spoonfuls of salsa and call it a meal? We're putting that in the next script. You know, Salsa Verde is actually a very versatile sauce. I feel like people don't give it enough credit. I love it on my enchiladas. And actually, 